0: Hello, I'm Penelope Maver, and welcome to Earth Converse podcast, an exploration into our conversations and relationships with the earth, all in the hope of inspiring a deeper connection with ourselves, each other, and the earth that is our home. And this is our 15th episode, and by now you will notice one of the key themes on the podcast, whether it is through a guest contributor or myself, is the invitation Self reflect. Arguably, our connection with our own true nature and with wider nature starts with self reflection. So, when you listen to the podcast, you may be inspired, informed, entertained, and ideally encouraged to use the stories and perspectives to reflect on your own experience, to consider your own thoughts and feelings. And so many people have said to me in regard to the podcast, and also generally as a leadership coach and facilitator, that reflection is hard. And it is. It yeah, takes some energy and dedication. Which reminds me of this great Harvard Business Review article written by Jennifer Porter. And I found this article has helped many of my coaches and leaders. So, in the spirit of mixing things up in formats, I'm going to draw from the article with the hope of honouring Jennifer, who I actually don't know. She is the managing partner of the Boda Group, a leadership and team development firm. And I like that she's called Boda uh, because it's a nod to the Buddha. And she says here in her strapline, an ever-present reminder of the need to pause, reflect, plan, learn and grow admits chaos and intensity. The article was cleverly entitled Why You Should Make Time for Self-Reflection Even If You Hate Doing It and it was published in the Harvard Business Review like I say on the 21st of March 2017 and of course I will include the link in the description so you can access it and read it in full. So let's begin. And she begins with something that I also experience. She writes that when people find out I'm an executive coach, they often ask, who are my toughest clients? Inexperienced leaders, senior leaders who think they know everything, leaders who bully and belittle others, leaders who shirk responsibility. And she says, answer is none of the above. The hardest leaders to coach are those who won't reflect, particularly leaders who won't reflect on themselves. As she says, at its simplest, reflection is about careful thought. But the kind of reflection that is really valuable to us is much more nuanced than that. And it's a process where we can really stand back and give conscious consideration to our feelings and beliefs and thoughts and actions for the purpose of learning. Like she says, reflection gives the brain an opportunity to pause amidst the chaos, untangle and sort through observations and experiences, consider multiple possible interpretations and create meaning, and this meaning becomes learning which can then inform our future mindsets and actions. And there's plenty of evidence that people who reflect enhance their performance. She gives an example of call centre research where the employees who spent 15 minutes at the end of the day reflecting about lessons learned performed 23% better after 10 days than those who did not reflect. A study of UK commuters found a similar result when those who were prompted to use their commute to think about and plan for their day were happier, more productive and less burned out than people who don't. Which of course makes me think of now with COVID and working from home, how many people are missing out on that important reflection time during their commute and I wonder how many have really dedicated time and set aside time now they're working from home. So, of course, the big question she asks is, if reflection is so helpful, why don't we do it? And she gives five key reasons, beginning with really not understanding the process. Many of us just don't know how to reflect she offers an example of an executive she was working with, Ken, who had a certain commitment and he hadn't done it. So she suggested he take the next 30 minutes of their two-hour session and just quietly reflect and then they would debrief it. And after five minutes of silence, he said, I guess I don't really know what you want me to do. Maybe that's why I haven't been doing it. And that is my experience as a coach and facilitator, where people are just not used to it, sort of like, well, how what, how do I go about it? In my coaching sessions, I also do it, and then quite often we'll stop the coaching session so then they can practice self-reflecting on their own, dedicating that time. And another reason we don't self-reflect is that we don't like the process. As she points out, reflection requires us to do a number of things we typically don't like to do. Take a pause, slow down, adopt a mindset of not knowing and curiosity to tolerate messiness and inefficiency and to take personal responsibility. Yes, I mean, of course, the process can lead to valuable insights and even breakthroughs. And it can also lead to feelings of discomfort, vulnerability, defensiveness, irritation. I don't know if that's been your experience. And uh, thirdly, she says, sometimes we don't like the result when we take time to reflect. By its very nature, we see ways we are effective as well as areas where we could have done better, quick to dismiss strengths and dislike weaknesses that we identify. Sometimes we can become so defensive in the process that we don't learn anything, so the results are not even helpful. And another reason uh, we may hate reflecting is that we have a bias towards action. I like sports metaphors, and she draws on a study of professional soccer goalies, Defending penalty kicks. They found out that the goalies who stay in the centre of the goal instead of lunging left or right have a 33% chance of stopping the goal. And yet these goalies only stay in the centre 6% of the time. The goalies just feel better when they do something. The same is true of many of us, is it not? You know, reflection can feel like staying in the centre of the goal and missing the action. And finally, she points out is that quite often we can't see a good return on investment. Leaders and organisations particularly want this. From early roles, they are taught to invest where we can generate a positive ROI, results that indicate the contribution of time, talent or money are paid off. And sometimes it's just hard to see an immediate return on investment on reflection, particularly when compared with other uses of our time. So if you're finding yourself identifying with some of these, here's ways where we can practice our reflection and practice becoming more reflective by these simple steps. And I think these simple steps that she offers are really tangible. And it starts with identifying the important questions, but of course don't answer them yet. As Rilke, the poet, said, you know, sit with the questions. And it's the questions that are really important for you, She's offered some like, what are you avoiding? How are you helping others achieve their goals? How are you not? And on the Earth Converse podcast, we've posed a number of questions about your relationship with nature, and you might want to refer back to them. But it's just really important to have the questions that are meaningful for you. And then it's really important to select a reflection process that matches your preferences, your lifestyle, your personality, I mean, you know, for me, I love writing. And I've said that in episode 11, how it's been very important for my inner journey. But, you know, you might be more extroverted. You might want to talk to a colleague or your partner. You might want to do it in a group setting. And there are different ways. It could be, you know, sitting down in a quiet room or it could be at the beach. It could be walking, biking, on a paddleboard. Whatever it is, choose what suits you. And schedule time. I think that's really important. I mean, and many of us are driven by our calendars. Use it to your advantage. Set your reflection time. And then commit to keeping it. And of course, be kind to yourself when you don't keep that commitment. You can always start again. And if you are skipping it or avoiding it, reflect on that. You know, That's all grist for the middle. And start small. I mean, it can be two minutes, ten minutes, an hour. Yeah, make, just, make, just making the progress, bit by bit. And importantly, as she says, do it. And she goes, go back to your list of questions and explore them. Be still. Think. Consider multiple perspectives. Look at the opposite of what you initially believe. Brainstorm. You don't have to like or agree with all of your thoughts. But just reflect on your thinking. And finally, she talks about asking for help. She says, for many of us, a lack of desire, time, experience, or skill can get in the way of reflection. So consider working with a colleague, a therapist, or a coach to help you. They can listen, be a thought partner, and hold you accountable. And she concludes with a quote I often use too, from management thinker Peter Drucker. Follow effective action. With quiet reflection. From the quiet reflection will come even more effective action. And I guess why I mentioned the article, particularly here, is that many of us are on holiday time. You know, it's a holy time to rest and relax and recharge. And it's an ideal time for deeper reflection or thinking about what you're going to do after the holiday is over. You know, what you can cull, cultivate and commence in your life. You might want to think about, in terms of culling, you know, what no, no longer serves you. Or what you want to cultivate and further nurture. That could be an activity, a practice, a value, which you know benefits you. Or you may want to commence something, really commit to finally kickstarting something that you've wanted to do. So whatever you do or don't do, do it with awareness and compassion. And enjoy your holidays, enjoy your reflecting, and we'll reconnect for the next Earth Converse podcast episode. In the meantime, enjoy Earth, one conversation at a time.